Hey everyone, I'm Britt and welcome to Educate Me, a podcast all about surviving and thriving in graduate school. This week, I'm talking with Samiha Mosin, a master's student in the Community Health Sciences program at the University of Calgary. We talk about being an international student, living on campus, and balancing grad school with the busy schedule of a student athlete. Hello, uh, do you want to go ahead and, and introduce yourself? Hi everyone, my name is Samiha Mohsen. I'm doing my first year in Community Health Sciences Epidemiology. Awesome, and where are you studying and in what lab and with who? So I'm studying at the Foothills campus um, with Dr. Feist at her lab called Feist Lab, and it is part of the Calgary Critical Care Network. Okay, and like, what made you want to come and study in this lab? Uh, a few things. Uh, I think one of the main things that I found was uh, just a really good connection between myself and the supervisor. I was looking through various different majors within the Foothills Council and in addition to sciences. But I really think that the, kind of the research my supervisor did, in addition to her evident mentorship skills that I really wanted to pursue a master's with her. Cool. And you did your undergrad in the States. Um, so this isn't your first time moving away to study. Um, but what was that like when you first, I mean, left, uh, left home, left Egypt to, to come to North America to study? Uh, I think it was a huge culture shock. Uh, yeah. There were definitely some language barriers in the beginning and just reading between the lines and how different things are done. Uh, but I really think that the kind of university culture really helped me engage with the community and adapt to my surroundings. Yeah, did you find much difference coming to Canada from the States or is it, has it been pretty similar for you? Some have been similar, but there are still cultural difference, I would say, even though they're so close in proximity. So there was a, still a learning curve coming to Canada. Yeah. Can you give an example? Could I give an example? Hmm. I, th I found it that people were a bit more confrontational in the States than they were in Canada. And oh, they yeah. were a lot nicer. So um, you had to really know how to read between the lines to understand if someone had a problem sometimes. Oh, that's so true. I find that we're very like conflict avoidant here and it's such a problem sometimes because yeah, you just want people to be like, if, if you have an issue, you just want them to come and talk to you about it, but they won't. Um, and I remember I always thought that Canadians say sorry so much, but then when I was uh, teaching in Rwanda, I found that they say sorry way more because they used to <laughs> Like, we will say, oh, I'm so sorry, as in, like, an expression of empathy, but right. they'll just say sorry all the time as, as um, empathy or, like, I had a student trip and fall in front of me, and she was like, sorry, and I was like, what? So they also use it to, like, express embarrassment and, like, all these sorts of things that I was like, right. what's going on? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Even, like, one word could differ in its meaning, I think, yeah. depending on where you are. Yeah, exactly. Um, so since you're pretty new to graduate school, um, kind of what, what have you found most challenging so far in adapting from undergrad to grad school? I think the professionalism that's expected with grad school. Um, I think that we all, I don't know if this is true, but at least in my faculty, sometimes you either feel like you're not good enough or 
you have all these expectations that you put on yourself because you're just surrounded by so many successful people and individuals. Um, but I also think that that kind of pushes you to work harder and get better. But I, I do think it's a challenge in the beginning to just have those kind of expectations that you innately have once you're in. Yeah, and how have you adapted to those changing expectations? Honestly, I think mentorship is a big one. So uh, finding mentorship from your supervisor, peers, faculty members, connecting, networking. And then most importantly, I'm also part of the graduate college. So having um, kind of like a team of like-minded students that have the same goal really helped. And I think it's that kind of community that can foster um, people to overcome challenges like these and even adapt to succeed into expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like what, as a new grad student, like what do you wish you had known uh, before you had started? Or is there anything you wish you had known before you started? Oh, that's a good question. That it's okay to go out on a Friday if you really want to. <laughs> and that you'll get your, your work done even if you go out. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, that balance between time. Yeah, I remember that as well. My first year master's thinking how uh, I need to spend like every minute and everybody's always working and and that sort of thing. And that's just not true. It, it, like it looks like everyone's working all the time, but that's just what it looks like. Yes, yes. So it's definitely important to take some time off and um, not feel guilty doing so. Because I think in the beginning, I would feel a bit guilty whenever I took time for myself. Yeah. And now it's just like recognizing that you need that time and, and allowing that and forgiving yourself. Definitely. Yeah. Now I know you're also a student athlete. So how do you balance that with all of the um, expectations of grad school? It, it's definitely difficult, but I will say that I think swimming actually helps me balance my life with school. I think just having that routine schedule of, okay, I'm up every day at 5 a.m. I meet, you know, the same, my peers in the pool and my coach and kind of having those instant success gratification through a sport really helps and boosts my mood throughout the day. And I find myself more productive because of it. Like right now I'm in quarantine and I'm not swimming and I can see my production levels go a bit down. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I actually think that the sport or really just getting engaged in anything you're passionate about will translate into other fields that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Like we all need those hobbies and those other things to keep us sane, right? Yes, for sure. So, so what does like a typical day look like for you? So a typical day, like a really like, would be waking up maybe around 4.30 a.m., going to practice at 5.00 getting done this year I had courses so sometimes I would have courses from nine to three or nine to two um go home rest and then do some weights and study at night so that would be a normal weekday for me and what time do you find you typically get to bed around 11 sometimes later depending on how much work I have to do wow yeah so I I'm a I'm a like eight hour a night sleeper so <laughs> say like 11 and get up at 4 30 I don't know how you do that <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm sleeping more on the weekends and I know it's 
lot of things to catch up on sleep, but um, yeah, I think it would be definitely a great next step for me to incorporate more sleep hours into my schedule. Yeah, but it's so tough too when there's so much that you need to do every day, right? There's all these things. It's like, okay, training and then and schoolwork and paid work yeah. and, and all those sorts of things. And there's always the fluff that you kind of have to do, but aren't you're not really productive doing like answering emails or, um, I don't know, having to do things that don't really play a part in your professional development but just have to get done oh absolutely yeah I mean emails can be such a time suck right definitely yeah I'm actually I'm reading a book right now that was recommended to me by some other grad students called deep work and it's Mm -hmm. all about um how we really need to find in order to be successful we need to find times where we can really focus and not have all these constant distractions that we're so used to And um, I'm at the part now where it's like, okay, they've made the case of why you should engage in deep work. And it's like, okay, so I agree. Yes, I need more time uh, (laughs) that I'm just focused and not distracted. Uh, And now it's at the point where it's uh, of the book where you pick how you're going to do that. And then there's different ways of doing it, um, uh, different ways of carving up that time. So uh, that's kind of my goal for the spring summer is to try and and carve out more of that non-distracted time. Well, I think that's really cool. Um, One thing I've tried to do is that I've downloaded an app called Forest. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you've heard of it? Yeah, I have. It's the one where like, it's like a Pomodoro, but you like build trees, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you like, I kind of have a 50 minute focus session and then you can't log out of the page. So you can't answer texts or emails and you have it on your desktop as well. Um, And then it's just, you have to commit to work or else your tree dies. That's been, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I kind of liked it. Um, cause yeah, I should try that one again. Yeah. Cause sometimes I find myself, um, reaching out to my phone for no reason as if like I'm expecting notifications now. And usually there always is a notification either like on my outlook or my Gmail or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we should also know that we don't have to respond right away if we're focusing, like you said. Yeah. And I think, uh, like our brains for whatever reason, like I notice that like when I'm engaged in like hard work, like my brain will be like, okay, I need a break. And instead of just like pausing and like taking a few breaths or whatever, or getting a drink of water, I then turn to social media or my email, uh, those sorts of things rather than taking what would be a healthy break. Right. Oh yeah. I guess that also, I didn't think of it that way, but you make a really good point. Yeah, those are some some things I need to work on. Maybe I'll try Forest again. I've been using an app called uh, Freedom, and Ooh. basically it just blocks any uh, any websites or any apps that you deem as distracting for whatever period of time you tell it to, and you can okay. tell it to like do it like on a recurring schedule. So for a while, I had like a Monday to Friday, like nine to five, I couldn't check Facebook, type thing. And, uh, and when you try to go to the app, it's, it's nice because it pops up and it says you're free, go do something like go do something different or, um, yeah. And it's kind of this reminder of like, oh yeah, I don't need to be tied to social media all the time. Right. Oh, well, that's really good. No, I like that. I'll try that app as well. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's been crazy. I think, um, especially like, again, like in quarantine, 
that's our means of connection. So I think I'm even more attached to my phone than I was before. Oh, definitely. And I think I'm, I'm being more forgiving of myself as well, because yeah, that's like text message, video calls and, uh, and social media is like really the only way of connecting with people right now. Right. Just being, being forgiving of myself too and saying, you know, like, that's okay. This isn't, this isn't forever. Um, and it's just to, to help you stay connected in the meantime. Perfect. Lovely. Yeah. Um, what's, uh, I know you live on campus as well. Yes. Uh, and how's that for you? Like, do you, do you enjoy living on campus? Do you regret living on campus? <laughs> <laughs> I actually love it. Um, it. The pool's within a one minute proximity walk. So it's, it's really easy for me to just roll out of bed and then jump to the pool and change in the locker. I've had times where I've showed up to the pool um, in my pajamas and just changed it to my swimsuit to swim. And then it's also really nice because there are study groups and um, a lot of study rooms. And so even if you meet kind of people across different faculties and it's really nice because you all can study in a study room and everyone's working on their own thing. I think it's less distracting and more motivational. I find myself studying more hours um, that way. I also like the community that it provides. So like the little events and even if there are 15 minutes where it's like, hey, come grab a slice of pizza and then you can connect with peers and learn about different kind of research. I think it's pretty cool. So I really like living on campus. Yeah, that's, I think that's so true. Like I definitely recommend to people if they're new to the city or new to the country, particularly to start off in residence because um, one, you know, it's like a guaranteed room and it's, you're going to have like a good landlord and that sort of stuff. You don't have to worry about trying to find a room. Right. And um, you can always leave later. Like when you are more comfortable with the city and you know what part of the city you want to live in or um, yeah, but I think you're so right for student athletes being so close to to the gym or to the pool or or wherever right. you train is uh really useful cool uh so tell me a little bit more about what like what's your research project for your masters oh so um i am studying the impact of family presence on delirium in the icu delirium is kind of an acute confusional state of mind and up to 80% of ICU patients experience it um, and it's kind of you know been playing a huge negative impact on health like healthcare families and patients because of the detrimental effects associated with it such as high morbidity mortality and longer ICU stay um, and I don't know family played a huge and integral role in my life so I was really interested in doing research with how they can better help the overall psych of a patient. That's really interesting. Um, yes, you said like, uh, your connection to your family made you interested in, in the impact of families uh, but what led you to doing like research in ICUs? Oh I think I really admired the fast-paced uh, <laughs> ICU lifestyle and during my volunteering in the hospital in the States, I found that critically ill patients um, were sometimes those that were in need of most support. Like a lot of them are mechanically ventilated, unable to move. So I, it was nice to volunteer and help in early mobilization of these patients and just helping them through cognitive stimulation. Yeah. 
So I think it's the empathy and compassion that I understood through that, that I really wanted to help better the outcomes of patients in the ICU. Well, that's really interesting. Um, so any idea, like you're in, you're just wrapping up your first year, uh, any idea what you want to do after your master's? Hmm. It's always a tough question. I thought of uh, a few things, but I think I would really like to continue research um, and innovation for a while, um, find a job in there, and then maybe get into specific public policy since it's a master's in epidemiology it does fall into a bit of humanities and social sciences. And I think I would love to play a role in like public health or in nonprofit um, organizations that help people in health. Yeah, absolutely. And I think right now, particularly we're seeing how important it is to have people who have, <clears throat> excuse me, a background in uh, epidemiology actually translating a lot of what's going on, right? Like we have uh, all these like armchair epidemiologists who just like watch what's happening with the coronavirus and think that they know what's going on. But having people who are actually able to translate science and all the, the research that's coming out into one public policy and then and we see the impact that that's having on our society right now, but then also into um, things for the general public uh, that are really easily digestible. For sure. That's really interesting. Uh, so do you know where you might want to continue studying, like staying in Canada or elsewhere that you have your eye on? Uh, I think I'd like to stay in Canada. I've, uh, I've grown attached to the city of Calgary. I love its liveliness and downtown and how everything is kind of close to each other. The summers here are great and I mean, in a typical Calgary summer, there's just so many festivals, and I think you get to know a lot of people, and even though it's a big city, it's still a small little world of its own here, and I really like that. Yeah, it's funny. You say everything's really close together, because I often feel like everything's really far apart in Calgary. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, we do have, like, the mountains are really close by, which is nice, and uh, yeah, transit's not too bad. But uh, yeah, yeah, and it's super safe. Like I think the last thing I would like to say about Calgary is that how just completely safe it is. I mean, That's true. you have to, of course, be wary whenever time you're out and if it's too late. But I've never felt threatened by anything. Um, I've always felt safe during whatever time in Calgary. So that was yeah. That's nice. that's very true. It is relatively a very safe place to be. Uh, so as we wrap up here, um, do you have like any pieces of advice that you give to people thinking about entering grad school of like what they should think about as they choose a program or choose a university, uh, choose where they want to go? I think the biggest advice I could tell anyone is to really find a supervisor that resonates with them. Um, typically, I find a lot of grad students that either try to find someone who can fund them or just rush through the decision of research or research that um, a particular like supervisor is doing but I really think it's important to seek also like mentorship and the supervisor's position within the faculty and the kind of growth that you can learn from them and if their values align with yours because I think that'll make grad school so much easier. 
I think you're so right there. I mean, in my various roles I've been in, a lot of the issues I've helped students through are supervisor related. And I think sometimes we um, underestimate the impact that the supervisor can have on your success or even on your well-being throughout your graduate program. Definitely. Um, yes, no, I think I'm very fortunate. Like my supervisor and I, we have weekly meetups where it's just talking about how I'm doing mentally and um, any way she can support my professional development or if my goals have changed. And um, I think it's also important for grad students to kind of have a list of goals. Like what do they want to get out of grad school? I know I didn't ask myself that until maybe a few months in grad school, but I never really like concretely asked myself, what am I gonna gain from this? Yeah, that's such a good point. That's really good advice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Samiha, for joining us and sharing your experiences. And I look forward to you, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Lovely, and thank you for having me, Britt. It's always lovely to talk to you. You're very welcome. All right, talk to you soon. All right, bye.